A reading from the prophet Isaiah. How beautiful the mountains are, the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice, together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her, purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. For you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Behold, my servant shall act wisely, he shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down? Or, who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead? But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have, not, have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing 
and hearing through the word of Christ. Well, thank you so much for having us and welcoming us in your church and also in your homes. We feel very welcome here and um, we uh, feel like you know, we have the same mission and uh, to, to reach the nations for Christ. And we all have a part to play in that, in that work. Uh, we can pray, we can uh, go, we can work behind the scenes, we can give, we can do so many things. But we're all called to care about the lost. And uh, we, this is the mission of, of, the, of the church, Jesus' church. Um, so Christy and I... Uh, We've um, been working at missions since the 70s, and we went to Mexico in 1982. And from that, the organization Church Planning International uh, came to be. Um, we'd um, just love to have you uh, visit our table back there. We have uh, newsletters and we have brochures. The brochure kind of gives our vision and our core values and how we do missions. It's, um, and then also, uh, if you'd like to receive our newsletter, we'd love to stay connected with you. Uh, you can receive our newsletter to sign our um, sign-up sheet for the newsletter. Um, and then there's also some handicrafts back there uh, that are from the fields where we work as well, um, back in the uh, Fellowship Hall. So, um, and Jesus said... I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And uh, I think of Hades more like the realm of death. So I know that you know, Satan will not prevail, but also I think of it, I think that's true, but I think Hades is, is the realm of death. So death will not prevail against, against his church, that we have that security in, in him, that, that we will always be with him. And if we're part of the true church, we, we will never be lost. And so, um, but he says, I will build my church. I will do it. This is a promise. He does the work. He builds. But then in 1 Corinthians 3, he says that we're his co-workers, that, that we are God's fellow workers. We're co-workers with God. And he's all about building his church. And he's going to do the work. We can't do the work, but we can, we can go and, and we can preach the gospel. We can pray. We can train leaders. And we can show the compassion of Christ. And he uses that as were his instruments to, to, to build the church. And then through those churches, he reaches every locality. It's the people, his people in every place that continue to reach through um, uh, the, uh, these places. So Church Planning International is about planting churches, uh, by aiding native missionaries, aiding the native, the national workers, the native missionaries, to plant churches in unreached communities with the gospel, churches, communities that don't have churches, and to reach those communities with the gospel. Yeah, so we, we got our start in Mexicali, Mexico. We worked amongst the extremely poor people. Uh, some of them lived in dump sites. They lived in cardboard houses. Um, they had dirt floors. When it rained, everything became wet. The bedding became wet, and it just uh, so we went from colonia village to village and starting little groups. And one of them took off and became uh, the beginnings of a church. And then uh, that uh, buildings were built, and we went to the mission field with uh, our two kids. And my wife was pregnant with our third, and 
we had $15 worth of support. And I didn't know that I was doing something unorthodox. It just seemed because people were so receptive and, and I felt that we could make a difference and I believed that God would provide for our needs. And, and, and he did. He, he provided for our needs and the needs of the church, the work, buildings were built. And it was amazing to see his provision. And sometimes uh, provisions would arrive at the very last second. And um, we, we lived through that. Yeah. <laughs> he's never failed us. I mean, we, we've been scared a few times, but he's never failed us. <laughs> yeah, so um, praise the Lord. Uh, at first... I was all zealous and would convince people to pray a sinner's prayer, and I'd pick them up in my van to go take them to church. And, and then when I left to go to the States for a little while, we, which we didn't do very much, we lived in, in Mexico, um, it just seemed like the work was hanging by a thread. And it really depended upon us. And so then God gave us the understanding of the indigenous church, which means a self-sufficient church. It means a church that is not dependent on, on outsiders for its continuance, that it's, it's self-financing, it's self-propagating, uh, it's self-governing. And so, so, this, so we, I began to stop doing things that couldn't be continued if I wasn't there, that, where it made the work depend on us. And leaders were raised up, and they began to take over the work, and, they be, and the work did kind of fall down because I stopped doing some of the things to pick people up and all that, but then it raised up again. And so uh, the whole idea of the indigenous church, uh, that, that's one of our core values, that the work is done by the people. It needs to be planted in native soil. So our core values are that the, the biblical, uh, Christ-centered, and then the biblical gospel, sound doctrine, and then uh, compassion and, and prayer and the leading of the Holy Spirit and training leaders in the indigenous church um, and um, unreached people groups and being sensitive to other cultures. So these are uh, some of our core values that we work with. Um, and out of that, uh, uh, church planning, somebody came to me and said, we'd like to start an organization for the support of your work and just write about a statement of purpose and give it a name. And so we, I called it, uh, you know, I wrote about our burden was to, to see the churches planted because, you know, you can go and do something in another field, and then when you leave, it just all falls apart. It just, it's just, it has no continuity, no, no sense of permanence. And so, the, uh, which is another one of our core values, building for the long term. And so uh, we, we wanted to see the local church planted that would be indigenous, that would be an, uh, uh, directed by native leadership, and that would continue to minister after we were gone. And so we named it Church Planting International. And then uh, came, eventually in 1986, uh, after four and a half years, we came back to the States. I did some odd jobs, I pastored for a while, and the Lord called me back in the missions, and we had this organization, didn't do much with it at first, and then began in about 1995, 96 to direct this organization and, and, and use it as a tool to reach the nations. And so in 99, uh, we were called to Peru. Uh, we were called to a group called the Matseis, which is a, a tribal group that uh, they had um, uh, the, the, uh, the New Testament in their language, the Wycliffe translators had made contact 
with the Matzes um, in uh, 1969, and they they were dangerous people, and they were killing outsiders. And they, two women waited six years in the middle of the jungles, um, off and on, to make contact with the Matzes uh, people, and finally did. And um, you know, they they uh, they were surrounded with people with spears and lances, and they had learned a little bit of the language and. They said, please make us homes and we'll come and live amongst you. And, and they did that and, and they translated the scriptures. And, um, but the lady was ready to retire in 1999 and she felt like they weren't ready to be left on their own because, because a revival had started amongst them. When they got the scriptures, this was in 1994, uh, they just began to memorize it. Their first uh, services, they, they would recite the uh, the scriptures uh, by memories. One one guy could do the whole book of Romans and would recite these these long passages in their services, but they felt that they weren't ready to be left on their own. So we were invited to follow up with this tribe and train the pastors. And we came twice a year for maybe a week at a time to train pastors. And they would come in their dugout canoes, and um, you know, about eighty of them for about a week to be trained. And then that led to another tribe and another tribe. There's five tribes we've worked with. We currently work with four jungle tribes. We work in, Mex in uh, Mexico with one mountain tribe. And then in, in 2014, 2011, we moved to South Carolina. 2014, we started to work in, in Uganda, Africa. Uh, so I think we, sh we should show the PowerPoint and I'll talk a bit more with the PowerPoint. Okay, so uh, this is more the recent uh, things that have de developments in the ministry. So this is this is Peru, and we went at '99 uh, for the Matzes, but then we began to work in with pastors in Lima and and doing a lot of training conferences and and and, and working with other Amazon tribal groups. Okay, uh, oh, I, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna operate this. Very good. All right, so I'm all set. So one of the things that happened amazingly was that in 2017, God provided uh, a mission center, a place where we can come and stay for long periods of time, where we can train leaders. And from this place, we go out to different villages to uh, preach the gospel and to conduct training. And our native uh, workers, we work with, with partnership with native missionaries and they go out. And, and so, and you're welcome to come and visit us and there would be a place to stay and, on, on our mission center. So there's two houses and uh, the training center. And then there's, uh, this, this used to be offices of Wycliffe. There's about 60 jungle languages in Peru, in the Amazon. And uh, they've, They've targeted 30-some, and they've all but finished, and they've kind of moved out, and they've, there's just a handful of Wycliffe missionaries left. So we were able to buy one of, their, one of their centers. And so this used to be offices for the Wycliffe Bible translators. And so we, we uh, raised the ceiling and build a, a training center and also dormitories for people to sleep this in. This is Stephen Shepard. And this is... A little tour, we, a video clip. That this is Stephen Shepard, director of Church Planning International, and we work in Mexico, we work in Uganda, Africa, and we work in Peru. As a matter of fact, I'm in Peru right now at our mission center. Uh, the Lord graciously 
um, enabled us to purchase this uh, mission center in, in Peru, in uh, the jungle city of Pucallpa. And from here, this is like our base. We come for two months at a time and uh, we go out to different tribes. We work with four tribes. We go out to villages, we go by boat, we go by small airplane into the jungle. And, and also we conduct training here. We have a Bible Institute. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're gonna host the Your people, the, an unreached people group, and they're, they're coming to learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ for about eight days. And we also have mission teams. So I thought I'd give you a little tour. We have a carport here. That's the transportation of choice called a motor car. And there's two houses where people stay at. Uh, this here uh, is where I stay. It's called uh, the Providence House. And uh, over here, this is where our co-workers, Tom and Barb's uh, stay. And it's in uh, this, this house here. Uh, we, hello, Tom and Barb. Hi. And, uh, we call this uh, the Grace House, Casa Gracia. And then we come over here. Uh, then this is the auditorium and uh, the training center. And we have dorms on one end and the training center on the other end. Um, and we also have classes in session right now. So this is our, our center. We have a workshop. One of our students is making some doors, some bathrooms. We host mission teams. In fact, uh, come and visit us anytime you want while we're here. Our, what we call an auditorium, and it's our training center here at uh, Mission Church Planning International. Pastor Tony L, who is one of our teachers, who comes from Lima. And these are our students. They're going to sing a little bit for you right now in their own language. This is the Shipibo language. Unrelated to Spanish. Alright, and then also recently, just amazingly, that the other the other center it was such a miracle to us. Um, we were going to buy a place for half the price and the doors closed and they it couldn't be sold to us and then that place was showed to us it was double the price and I began to explain the vision to people and we were used to getting donations a hundred maybe five hundred a thousand once in a while but people were giving five ten twenty thousand dollars and uh, it just and fairly quickly it was easier to raise the purchase price for the property than it was to raise thousand dollars at a different time and so and then now in Lima the capital has like 11 12 million people this three story building is being built and it's going to be donated to the organization we started we helped to start a Peruvian um, organ, mission organization that has Peruvian board of directors it's a legal entity in Peru and they're, they're, that's uh, they can they use the center while we're not there and this is in the capital so we'll have two bases in Peru where people can come through and they can stay the uh, upper two stories are going to be housing bottom story uh, is going to be the a church and the training center so that's in Lima Peru the capital so this is the word of grace Bible Institute that is already functioning in in, uh, in Pucallpa there's 12 courses we teach the foundational truths of uh, the Bible and theology and as well as practical ministry. These are Shipibo people uh, that come, mostly Shipibo. And we have between 12 and 15 students. There's 12 courses. Um, these are the Shipibos uh, who come to study twice a year. And so these are some of our teachers. We have um, about three 
Peruvian teachers and, and a couple of uh, American teachers there. These are some of the, and this is our, these are our students in our center. Uh, this is Adolfo, and um, he is one of our students being trained, but he's also a church planter, and, um, and he's taking his oral exam, presenting it uh, before the students. But he, he went back to, uh, he lives, this, the Jungle City is like 300,000 people, but he's from a small village that, that had no churches at all. And so he, he wanted to go back to that, that village, and so we, we sponsored him and because he had expenses in the Jungle City, and so we gave him like $120 a month, and so he could go, and he lived there for, um, I don't know, a couple years, and, and also to pay his, his, his transportation on the river because it was, very, it was hours and hours away. And so he went back there, and this, this next video clip shows, is very typical of the kind of things we do to go on exploratory trips to, to villages that don't have churches. When I went to this village to visit him, uh, I was astonished. I, I, I guess I expected maybe it would have, typically sometimes it might have 15 believers, 10 believers, but this church was thriving and had people of all ages. And we went there, uh, couples that, um, that I guess they just kind of begin to live together and they're considered as married, but they don't really understand that much what marriage is. And then they come to the Lord, and they understand about that marriage is a permanent, lifelong commitment. And so we, we lead them through vows. And there were like 12 couples that, that, that were married. And, and six of them actually were married in the civil ceremony, they, they, legally, before the proving government. And there was also about seven or so that were baptized. And it's just an astonishing trip. And there's a little video clip that uh, shows uh, the church planning that's going on in this unchurched, unreached village of the Shipibo Indians. gave us such a welcome. There were, we were the first non-Peruvian people to come to their village. And they received us with dancing and flags. From the grave 
These are the Mod Says. Um, been working since 1999. I plan to go back in 2020. Uh, I used to go two times a year. Now they hold their own conferences. Uh, they have um, a lot of churches, but the pastors still need training. Uh, on, there's the, they exist in Peru and also over the border in Brazil. The Brazilians were resistant to the gospel. The chiefs there in the villages uh, forbid them to hear the gospel until so many, they, and the Matseis were going. And so our part was to do the training and provide gasoline for their, they, had, they called a mission team. And so they sent their own missionaries, but they didn't have a way of getting out to the Brazil side. So we provided gasoline, which in the jungles is very expensive. But so they were able to go for like a day's journey, two days journey sometimes to these Brazilian places. And, and these people had, many of them, I don't think had ever heard the, even the name of Jesus. And, and they would listen. They'd say, oh, it is true. We didn't know this. And so many wanted to hear that, that uh, the chiefs had to let them. And now there's, I think, the biggest churches on the Brazil side. They've planted a number of churches on the Brazil side. There's a church of several hundred on the Brazil side. And now they're coming to the conferences as well. This is the plane that we go to the Matzeis. If you tried to go by rivers, you could get there, but it would take maybe a couple weeks. And so we fly in on these small planes. This is the jungle that you can see it's so dense. And you'll see sometimes along these rivers, there's a whole network of rivers, maybe a couple of houses, maybe 10 houses. And so these people are just isolated and there's no stores. They live with hunting and fishing. And, um, and, they're, and, but, and they're hidden in the jungle. But, but God knows that they're there and he cares about them. This is, um, we fly into that airstrip and then we take a small boat. The other boat you saw on the other, that was a fast boat. This is not a fast boat. This is the slow boat. This is a kind of a dugout canoe. And here's how we travel. Those are my shoes. The Brazil Matzes were an unreached people. Peruvians not. So then this is another uh, slow boat. Another slow boat, another way of traveling to the villages out in the dense jungle. Yeah. So um, these are the Matzes. They travel up to two days to come to the conferences, the training conferences. This is the training conferences amongst the Matzes. There's about 80 of them. We teach in Spanish and it's translated into their language by one of the more bilingual uh, speakers, and so they are they are on fire for the Lord. Um, they come, they come. We like at eight o'clock is from eight to twelve, and then twelve to two is a break, and then two to five, and they get there right on time. And if you're five minutes late, you're late. Uh, a lot of tribal groups are late, but not them. And they, then at night they have their own meetings and they'll wait through the heat and all that and they just are so hungry for the Lord. This is Julio. He was one of the church fathers. I believe he was there at the contact in 1969. And um, I'll let him tell his testimony. He's going to tell it in his own language. And uh, it was translated into Spanish and we kind of deleted the Spanish. And then um, I translated the Spanish into English and we, we have the English captions.
accepted Christ, God is good. That's why I'm happy with God. I serve him because he changed me. Before we did evil things, but he changed me. That's why I'm happy to be with God. Although I was a sinner, one day God changed my life. That's why I believe in Jesus who died for my sins. And one day I will be with him. These are missionaries that are called to work amongst the Matses. So now we're partnering with them and contributed significantly to build them a house in the, in the village, in the jungles. And so they're going to be kind of taking over that ministry. And so that's Casey and Julie. Julie's Peruvian, Casey's American. And they're, they're beginning to learn the language. So praise the Lord for them. And uh, this is the Yora people. Another jungle tribe. Now, the Yor, I consider an unreached people group. Um, when we, we, they live in, a, in like a reservation. And uh, why it's a reservation and other tribes are not on, in a reservation, I don't understand it. But the government doesn't want outsiders to go to, the, to their community. And so we have sent other people there anyway. But for me to go, I would really stand out. And so I haven't gone yet. So Wycliffe and CPI, we bring them to us and representatives of the Yorah people who want to hear more about Jesus. So for the last six years, they've been coming uh, once a year. It's about eight or nine days, and they, they listen for hours every day to the gospel to, uh, through stories from the, uh, Genesis on through Revelation, telling them about Jesus. And many of them had never heard even about Jesus before. And so um, they were hearing the gospel for the first time, and they listened like their life depended upon it, upon it because they, they're so concerned that they could know about how they could be in, uh, in heaven with God forever. And so uh, they, they, they listened very attentively. Uh, one man, uh, the last day of one of the conferences, it was hot. It was so hot in the jungles, and it was lunchtime, and... Everybody was hungry, and he said, listen, we are not hungry. We want to hear. We're afraid we're going to forget this when we go back to our village. Please pray the Father God to, to, um, to remind us of, of what we have learned, and don't forget us, and pray for us. And so, so this, is, this is the way they were. And not every tribe is like that, but the Holy Spirit is working amongst them. So now after six years, they've, and uh, for the last year or so, they've begun to meet in their village. They don't have leaders that are, are, are qualified. We, we teach them, well, because uh, we, we don't come very often and we don't send anyone very often and they don't come to see us very often. So meanwhile, sing, pray, and read, read the scriptures. Now they don't have 
the scriptures in their language. They only have portions, but they have those portions and they can read them. So they are meeting. They do have leaders that kind of convene the people and, and that. So this is an unreached people. An unreached people group is not necessarily one that has never heard the gospel, but one that does not have a viable church. That is a church that is sufficiently strong to reach their own people group without outside cross-cultural help. So that is, a, that is an unreached people group. This is an unreached people group because their church is not a viable church. They're just beginning. And pray for them that they would continue to meet because they get, really, they get, per, you know, in a way, opposed by many of their own countrymen who don't understand why they are not drinking anymore and things like that. So this is in, uh, there was uh, about 30 of them that came. Uh, this was just last uh, summer. And um, this is teaching the Yorah people. There, there they are reading uh, the scriptures in their own language. And um, there they are looking at the scriptures in their own language. And uh, uh, th there was a breakthrough last year. There were nine that were baptized. And this was a real breakthrough be uh, because uh, they didn't understand about baptism before and about, about, about Christ, about the commandments. So this is after six years. Uh, the first nine have been baptized. And here's one who's going to give his confession of faith in his own language, in the Yorah language, and then you'll see his baptism. Hermano Antonio, te bautizamos en el nombre del Padre, en nombre del Hijo Jesucristo y en nombre del Espíritu Santo. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we work with the Matzes, the Yaminawas, which is uh, uh, another tribe that uh, it's either recently reached or unreached. It was unreached when we started working with them. They had no churches, and now there's a church, and our native co-worker is, is shortly going to go out there and spend about 10 days. And so we, this is the kind of thing we do. We send him. Uh, it costs maybe $1,000 or $800 to send him and his co-worker and, and to live amongst them and uh, so, um, so that he can encourage that church and find out how they're doing and, and that. And we've helped with some of their training as well. Um, this is short-term mission trip to Peru. Just a little clip of that. We do short-term mission trips. I see the world them since your hands. The, the Galaxies spinning a heavenly dance. Oh God, all that you are is so overwhelming. And I hear the sound of your voice. All at once it's a gentle and thundering noise Oh God, all that you are is so overwhelming so When you come, you, you get to spend time with the people and, and relate I to them I delight myself in you Captivated by your beauty They have welcome dances, they have farewell dances, we do work projects, we do teaching, we do evangelism, medical clinics.
in the soil. That's our center, work at our center. Mexico. Well, now Mexico, we've, we've done a lot of work in Mexico, and then the churches are, uh, uh, they are being directed by native leadership, and they're on their own, and they're fine, and I still visit the pastors. But there's one remaining work in Mexico, in the mountains, very remote as well. Some places you go by bus, and you'd have to walk two days or something, to, and there's up and down ridges, and people live there, and and that's they hardly ever get out of there, and they're hidden again in the mountains. And so there's a tribal group called the Huicholis, and um, this is the way to the Huicholis, the road to the Huicholis. This is their church, and uh, they recently lost their pastor. who's a dear friend, broke my heart. It was he was 38 years old. He suddenly pa passed away. Went to be with the Lord. And so this church, they're being persecuted by, in the mountains, they're being persecuted. Uh, they're uh, threatened with expulsion, and now they don't have a pastor. Pray for them. They're persevering, and this was four years ago they lost their pastor. And we're searching for a pastor who could live amongst them, who could speak their language, the Wicho language. Um, and also I'm going to conduct training, and we hope to sponsor a young man 
uh, to receive training who, who wants to serve the Lord. And he's about 18 years old. And he, he's helped the pastor uh, in the services, um, you know, like uh, helping to uh, make announcements and take the offering. And so he, he wants to serve the Lord. And we're going to uh, uh, try to sponsor him in, in Oaxaca to receive training. And so uh, that is something that's going to cost uh, about... Um, a, uh, over a thousand dollars for that training. So these are these are the kinds of things we we do. You can pray for that. Pray for the Wicholis. Pray for the young man whose name is Elian. And uh, that's the pastor. Domingo on the right is widow. This was about the last time we saw him. His two children. This was four years ago. Um, another language. This is a tonal language. Very difficult. I try to learn a greeting, I say it, and they correct me, and I don't understand what I said wrong, and so they correct me again, and so I try to learn greetings in these languages, but I do know Spanish, I can, I can teach in Spanish, but these, these other, we work with people of about 10 languages. Um, so we conduct the training, trying to train them how they can be a church without their pastor, how uh, through the different members of the body, and how they can read scripture and pray, and and somebody can give uh, a teaching from the Word, and, and so we, we're trying to train them how to function without a pastor until the Lord calls a pastor again. So pray for them. These are some of the young people God's doing the wonderful work amongst. That's Alien on the bottom on, uh, on the far left. This is the road. Oh, well, let me see here. Oop, what am I doing? I'm going back this way. Okay, so... Um, because we were there, they wanted to baptize. There was about seven people to be baptized, including the pastor's son, who's on the bottom. His name is Isaac. And so um, I thought they were going to baptize near the church, but they said no. And so this gives you a kind of a taste of what the roads are like around where they live. This is a village of 1,500 people, and there are ranches, ranchitos, and they, they're like uh, anywhere from a half an hour to a two days walk. In fact, there was a couple an older couple that used to walk two, two days or a day and a half. They would walk a day and get to a community, spend the night, and then walk the rest of the way a couple hours more into church. And, and so this is what they would do to come to church. And so then they moved to that ranch that was two hours away. And I said, oh, you live there now? Yes. Well, and he says, yeah, it's, it's real close come to church now. Two hours walk up and down, and he's in his, you know, late 70s. And so this is, so anyway, we're going to baptize people on this road here. Mountains, where do we always live? A group of about maybe 40,000 people. Some of them don't know Spanish, and some do. And this is, these are the ones who were baptized in that mountain stream. That's the pastor's son, pastor who passed away his son, Isaac. And he also wants to serve the Lord. He's about 17. Can you please turn it up. No hay Dios tan grande como tú. I do, yeah. There's no other God as great as you. There isn't any. There isn't any. 
Uh, this is Uganda. This is our newest field, 2014. I spent about mm, three years corresponding with people from East Africa. I wanted to extend the ministry to another continent. I wanted to reach more unreached people groups. I studied unreached people groups, Ethiopia, Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda. And I had all these people write me, and then most of them would ask for money, and there was one that asked for understanding of the scriptures, one that asked for uh, advice about the ministry, and he never asked for money. And after about three years, he won my trust. And I went over there. I never met him, stayed in his house. And he became our closest co-worker. His name is Michael. And uh, then we went to um, western Uganda, near the border of Congo. And there were uh, unreached peoples and unreached villages and uh, in the mountains there. Um, and this is, this is, we went in 2004. I've been four times and going back in 2020. If you'd like to go, let me know. And... Um, these are the uh, three, uh, Isaac in Western Uganda, John and Isaac and their wives. And so uh, they are all preaching the gospel, all training, planning churches and all training leaders and all helping the needy. Uh, so um, this, and this is, uh, <laughs> once again, I mean, this, this stuff is happening now and it's just amazing to us. But some, one man that went on a trip wanted to ask Michael, do you have a dream? Yes, to have my own church because they were renting a church. And, and so he wanted to make it come true. And he, we just connected him and we coordinated the work. And, and this guy sent the funds to build this church in Kampala. And so, uh, so that's there. And this is uh, now this church, Michael's church, that is Michael's church. Uh, they sent a guy to Nabweya, which is in eastern Uganda. And that church now, which and this is another village that had no churches at all before. Now it has a church of 150 people. And now that church has gone to another village, and they have just started that, and they have 50 people there. And so this is how the work of the Lord spreads through indigenous uh, methods and, through, and, and the church planted in native soil with native leadership who take their own initiative who are called of the Lord. So we work through relationships, we build trust with these native leaders, and we, we partner with them in, in to plant the church. Uh, so that's, uh, that's the pastor, Richard, and he's, uh, he was the one that was sent to that community. And uh, this is then uh, Western Uganda. Um, when we came there, um, oh, this is that church, and it's a pretty thriving church, and he's planting churches in the mountains where the people are unreached. And uh, this is uh, a church, the first year I went, I went to this village that had no churches. We preached the gospel, and I didn't know that he was going to do this, but the pastor Isaac, he followed it up, and uh, there was a church plant there, and those are some of, uh, I think, the core group. There's more people in the church than that. We helped them buy that property. It cost about, I don't know, less than $2,000 to buy, buy that property, and they put up that structure, and so that's a church plant, again, in another unchurched village that didn't have a church before. So we conduct leadership training. We conduct retreats. Um, people come. Uh, <laughs> they dress in their very best when they come to these retreats. Here's the Uganda language, one of the Uganda languages, how they sing. These people sing from the time they're small. They all sing. It's like going to a musical. They, they'll break out in the singing at a moment's notice. They don't need rehearsals. They just start singing. And this is them at one of our retreats. 
We didn't bring in a sound system or instruments. I said, can each village direct some worship? And so they get up and they do that. And there's about, uh, well, this we do a preacher's workshop, and he's teaching preaching, teaching homiletics, uh, teaching hermeneutics. And so he's uh, giving his... Uh, is this sermon there at the at the preacher's workshop, and we give out books. Uh, in fact, that's Jerry Bridges' book, Gospel for Real Life, that everyone should read. That I highly recommend, and um, also Bibles. There's some 40 languages in in Uganda. I love to give out the scriptures in the mother tongue because Sp uh, English is everybody's second language. So they need to hear it in their mother tongue because that's what's really going to. Uh, they're going to connect with in their hearts. And so those are two other languages we were able to pass out. These are the Labuisi Bibles. Those are in Western Uganda, Bundibujo. And the village of Isaac is Bundimulombi. And so, um, so these are Bibles that, that uh, in the language that they speak. And, and some of them speak a lot of English, some no English, some a little English. Uh, when we got there... Uh, I was wanting to promote church planning, but the people were so, the conditions were so poor that we just could not ignore the need. And so we began uh, with a feeding program. He has a school called God's Mercy School. And they come, this is a picture of God's Mercy School and 235 children. And they were coming, that's a classroom. They had nothing, but, they, but the teachers are enthusiastic. They do teach them. And they'd rather go to this school than the government school, which has a nice building, because the government get a paycheck and they, they don't teach. And so um, uh, God's Mercy School there, they were coming without breakfast and they weren't being able to concentrate. And we, at first we were able to provide for maybe two or three weeks and then some days... They had to go without, and then now it's fully funded, and uh, we there's a school lunch that's provided for the children uh, every day that they go to school. Um, so these are some of the children in one of their classrooms. This, I believe, was 2014. How are you? We are fine. Can you wave to the people? Yes. Okay. God bless you. Yes. Thank you. God's mercy. Now, these are some of the children. These are some of the children you see. You can see they don't, you know, many of that. That's the clothes that they have. And uh, so they, they basically need everything there. They need everything. And so one of the things we did was to help them start a cacao, cacao marketing where they can uh, uh, collect. Uh, they, that's what they, that's the crop, a cash crop. And so they can collect it by the ton and weigh it and dry it, weigh it, and, and market it to distributors. And so we did help them uh, start that business so that they can, uh, they weren't able to pay their own teachers. Uh, it was something like a dollar, boy, it was like a dollar a day, and they couldn't pay them. And now they, now they pay their own teachers. And, and so this is the kind of thing that we, we like to do to try to make the people, uh, enable them to be more self-sufficient. Um, this is a typical home there made of uh, sticks and mud and in, in the western Uganda near Congo. And uh, this is the feeding program uh, for the children. Uh, this is now on... Um, <laughs> CPI has been enabled to help build the school. This school will take the place of the other school of sticks and mud. And they still need five more classrooms. Uh, because they need 10 classrooms. So this represents five classrooms uh, there that they already have, and now there's five more classrooms that are needed. And just by faith, we're continuing on. There's, again, there's been a donor that has wanted to do this, and, 
and then and sent the funds for this. And they, and they say, the people are saying there, God has done a great miracle in this, in this despised place. He's done this great miracle. And, he, and Isaac says more and more people are coming to the church because they, they view this as a miracle of God from them. And so... Mm. Well, I don't know where we are. This is the short-term mission team to Uganda. This is the last video clip. We are walking to the village. Oh no, we're in Kampala, the capital city. Michael's old church. Pastor Michael. And then travel to Bundibujo in the west. Not part of an unreached people group. And this is Bundy Malombi. The bread of life church. That's how they welcomed us when we came to the village. They in dance and music and they greeted every and sang to every group member personally by name. It's the existing school and the new one that's been built. do a lot of humanitarian work because we just can't separate preaching the gospel, playing churches from helping the needy. The needs are there and we can't just ignore them. So that's part of it. Our mission is to preach the gospel, plant churches, train leaders, but we, we can't, we, we show the compassion of Christ and we, we minister to the needy. the Lord well um, so just um, pray for us please and we remember us on the mission field and uh, we would love to have you huh and join us, and join, us join us um, we need uh, people that uh, to partner with us financially and in prayer and uh, if you'd um, be led to do that that would be such a big help sometimes we receive like now, tens of thousands of dollars, but it's designated for 
a certain project that somebody earmarked. So we respect everybody's designations. You want to help with the compassion part or, or Bibles or whatever. But, but we also need, need uh, supporters for, for, for um, the general support of the mission so that we can keep functioning and doing what we're doing. So um, anyway, visit our table and uh, uh, sign up for our newsletter. We'd love to stay in, in contact with you and, and continue to pray for us as we reach out to the nations. And we encourage you again that uh, this is the calling of all of us to reach our world for Christ uh, by preaching the gospel and by uh, sending others and by planting churches. And so God bless you. Thank you very much for having us.